Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Episode 395 of The O Show presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. You got two weeks to sign up for a membership the grand opening in just two weeks here in the heart of Scottsdale, Arizona. Learn the training regimens from Floyd Money Mayweather himself. Again, just two weeks away. We're also brought to you by betonline.ag. You get a 50% bonus just for signing up on the web- website, betonline.ag, the number one gambling marketplace right now online. We got a special guest in studio today in episode 395. We've been uh, trying to schedule this for... A few months now, Bob, but we, we have finally gotten it done. Bob Nightingale in the house. My pleasure, Jack. Glad to be here. And you, again, you're from Arizona, correct? Went to school here and uh, lived here four years as a kid. My dad was the Air Force, so we moved everywhere. Yeah, again, so, I've been all over the place. <laughs> Did you have a baseball team growing up that way, you know, being from all over the place? It was the Yankees, just because my uh, grandparents lived in uh, Jersey, and uh, they were at Yankee games a lot. So I follow the Yankees even when they were terrible. <laughs> Well, welcome to the studio. <laughs> Robin, what fan are you of, baseball-wise? Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks? I'm sorry. <laughs> 26 championships short. <laughs> yeah, well, the infield was in. That, I'll say that. Mariano Rivera threw a perfect, picture-perfect cutter to Luis Gonzalez, and he got enough of it to bloop it over Derek Jeter's head. Yeah, that was a wild World Series. And the, uh, well, it's funny because people forget, maybe you too, Jack, that, I mean, the Diamondbacks could have swept that series. But Absolutely. remember that closer, Kim, who just kept popping oh. up game after game. It's like, wow. You've seen the classics over and over again. <laughs> I was only like two years old when it happened. But yeah, Tino Martinez, the game tying home run in game four, Jeter, the Mr. November moment, Brocious, the home run in game five. And then Yankees up 3 2, go back to Phoenix, and it just falls apart. Yeah, I mean, game six was, what, I think 15 to zero. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Shelly and Johnson. I mean, people forget Johnson came back on zero days rest to help <laughs> on the bullpen. Were you there for that series? Yeah, yeah. Were you covering it? Yeah. The Yankee, wow. the, you know, the Yankee Stadium was, that was awesome, too, in Arizona. But Yankee Stadium was just rock, rocking, yeah, yeah when they're George pulling Bush those comebacks. George Bush throws out the first pitch. Yep. Picture-perfect strike right down the middle. Yep, yep. Oh, my God. From the mound, too. Yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, I remember when he was a... Uh, Owner of the uh, Texas Rangers, and he kind of knew he was going to become president, or at least run for president. And uh, he came over and, and shook some reporters' hands. Hey, I'm George Bush. Uh, I'm with the Rangers. But just wow. you know, no, no ego at all. Wow. At least he was a baseball owner. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So, what was your favorite moment from that series? Because there's again games one and two in Phoenix had a lot going on, but those three games in New York obviously is what people. At least Yankee fans remember from that experience. Obviously, Game Seven's the the epicenter of that series. But what do you remember most from covering that series? Given that the Diamondbacks were what three years in winning their first and only World Series. 
Yeah, it was the greatest expansion team of all time. I mean, they won from the jump with uh, Jerry Colangelo spending money saying, hey, I want to compete. Uh, I know it's almost a bandwagon town. Yeah. And, and it worked. Uh, yeah, I remember the most years, those three games at Yankee Stadium as far as the comebacks and the stadium. There was the old stadium back then. That, that thing was actually rocking. You could feel it shake. People, yeah. were, people were so excited. And there's nothing like postseason back east. I don't care if it's you know New York, Philadelphia, or Boston. It's just a different vibe. Yeah. It was, I mean, obviously exciting when that ball drops in left center field and they win the World Series. And you can just see in the video, like, the place erupts. But it just was not the same type of feel as it would be for, like, an actual big baseball sports S town. Because New York and Boston, I think, are, like, the two top passionate cultures when it comes to sports overall. Yeah, and I'll throw Philadelphia in there, too. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, Philadelphia's like, rough, though. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's life or death almost in, in those cities where if the Dynamax had lost, it would have been, you know, okay, uh, we had a great year. You know, let's go go uh, you know, jump into bars and stuff like that in uh, in Old Town. Where in New York, it hit them hard. Because I think they, too, knew that it was the end of the dynasty. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. And then they go back in 03, what? 9-11. Yeah. yeah. That was like that's those three games in New York, I was saying, that are just like, will forever be entrenched in history for the Yankees because that stadium, like you just said, you were there, was rocking. Yeah, I'm going back to New York for the you know, the 9-11, 20 year anniversary uh, in, in two weeks. So going back wow. for that, and people in the Mets fans always remember the Piazza home run. Yes, you know, first game back Braves, at Shea. Yeah. I, I feel like every team had a special moment at some point. Obviously, those two New York ones stand out, but I feel like everybody had a special moment in that time because they only took. Because COVID season didn't start till July, you know, world pandemic. This obviously is something completely different, a tragedy in a completely different way. But they only took, what, two, three weeks off? Something like that? Uh, 9-11 was just one week. Just one week? Yeah, one wow. week, yeah. One week, yeah. I was in San Diego covering, uh, I came out to do a Tony Gwynn story because he was going for 400. Uh, 9-11 hits, I ended up going to his house a few days later. Stayed in San Diego because the uh, Giants were coming in and Bonds was going for the home run record. And stayed with Bonds. So uh, covered the rest of the uh, Giant games, you know, where they played. And then all of October. So I was living in Minneapolis at the time, so I didn't get home for seven weeks. <laughs> oh, my God. When, when did you, because you're still with USA, right? Right. right yeah, in? I started in 98 with USA Today. That yeah. is a long time. Yeah. Yeah, nowadays it's like you're there for a, uh, a few months, you feel like a long time. I was going to say, like, in today's day and age, like, I don't think that's, like, a thing anymore to be at the same place for 20-plus years. Like, my dad's been at, you know, the same company for a long time. My mom as well doing the same thing. And it's like, I know for us, that maybe with technology and social media, we were talking about it with the last guest that was in here building, you know, just YouTube channels. You see it with John Boy Media or Barstool right, Sports. Right. Like, you can build your own stuff and monetize your own stuff if you're good enough at it. You know, but, like, what about, you know, you starting out, I guess, obviously a lifelong baseball fan. What was it for you that kind of wanted to be, whether it be a writer, reporter, what did you initially want to do? You know, even from high school on, I think I wanted to be a, uh, a sports writer. Not necessarily baseball. Yeah. I, I like, you know, whatever season it was, I liked those sports. You know, uh, basketball might have been my favorite at the time. And then, uh, you know, went to Arizona State and then got a... Uh, Job offer to go to Kansas City and end up covering the uh, Kansas City Royals. Yeah. And then moved on to the uh, Padres, Angels, and Dodgers for the LA Times. But, a, uh, but yeah, I was just always 
you know, when I was a kid, just always interested in sports. And you, again, have been there long enough to see the transition from, you know, writing about stuff and people watching it wherever they can watch it to the social media age where Twitter can just, like, attack you for no reason and there's Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. What, what was that transition like? Like, do you remember that exact moment when it started to become, like, an actual relevant thing where anybody could just base their opinions with one click of the phone? Yeah, well, it just seems like it's getting you know more wild, more crazy and nuts by the day. Uh, I mean, I still remember when the uh, internet came about. It's coming to Dodgers, and a couple of sports wetters from New York were showing me, "Yeah, I can get these guys' stories on my computer." Yeah. So what are you talking about? This is what ninety-seven, ninety-eight. So that kind of blew me away. And then uh, Twitter. You know, I remember being in a restaurant. Some guy goes, "Hey, are you on Twitter?" Never even heard of it. Yeah. And then, uh, but even from you know two thousand nine till today. It's a lot more wild and a lot more vicious. I'm surprised athletes are even on Twitter. I really am. Because, you know, everything can be so negative. David Price of the Dodgers, he was a big on uh, Twitter. He finally got off. He couldn't take it. You know, as he said, uh, we're talking one day, he goes, uh, you know, I could tweet God is good. And people be blasting. No, he's not. And, you know, what he's, what he's doing about this situation. That, you know, it's, it's almost like a no-win situation. The naysayers are always out and about. And again, like that statement right there, everybody should get behind it, right? Yeah, but yeah, anything. I mean, you know, I think I just read their day. Uh, Jason Hayward was spending this money on some charity work in Chicago, puts it on Twitter, and all everybody's doing is ripping him for being a uh, poor performer on the field. What was the worst thing that you got comment-wise on Twitter? Because I feel like reporters, like when you're on Twitter, just giving whether it be an opinion or you're breaking news or you know you're. Again, putting out rumors like my sources say this or sources say that, people will be like, nah, nah, like this person's not credible. That person, you know, got that wrong one time. You can't trust him. Like, what was the worst thing you ever heard from someone? I mean, the big thing is always predictions. You know, it's like oh, if yeah. you have a wrong prediction, it's like, hey, how can you be a sports writer? You know, that sort of thing. You know, but it's just a constant. You know, I mean, every year, probably the most threatening stuff I get is when they, uh, every year in Jackie Robinson Day, they figured out the percent of uh, black players in baseball. So every year, print a story, and then people come out, you know, hey, how come we're not talking about, how come there's no more, you know, enough white players in the NBA and NFL? But just, you know, you get a lot of threats. But those are more emails than, than Twitter stuff, because emails can be private. Really? You know. That's interesting. I wouldn't think that they'd have access to emails. Well, yeah, and at least on the uh, on the columns, it, it gives you my email address. Yeah. Not my cell phone number, thank God. But <laughs> I guess that's how I found it. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, uh, which is fine. But, yeah, I mean, Twitter and stuff is just, especially the cities. I remember a few years ago I said to Bryce Harper, uh, he's going to go to Philadelphia, bank on it. You know, it didn't happen for four months. And uh, my, uh, what do you call it, direct message thing was open, and I didn't realize it. So I was just getting, you know, field from Philly fans every day. Hey, where is it? Where is it? You lied to us. And what's the chances? It was just, you know, out of control. I couldn't imagine. And he was, he was rumored to go to, what, San Francisco at one point. He's from Vegas. Yeah, he's from Vegas. Yeah, Dodgers. Yeah, he was all over the every, map. Yankees, yeah, yeah. Mets, everybody. <laughs> right. All 30 teams, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you think of the uh, deadline this year? It seems to me like this was definitely the busiest and most prominent MLB trade deadline in history. It was right up there. I know people have had some numbers that say this is bigger, you know, bigger maybe eight, ten years ago. But I think with the names involved, I mean, you're talking about Harper and 
I mean, I'm sorry, not Harper Bryant and those type of guys and Craig Kimbrell. You know, those are big names. And the fact there's no August trade deadline this year made a big difference. Yeah. So hopefully they'll keep it, keep it this way. Because I think, you know, people kind of panicked and said, I better make my move now. Because without the August thing, you know, even Justin Verlander was traded to Houston on August 31st. You know, he cleared waivers. But like two minutes left or something. Like, right. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yet they had to talk him, you know, in the common. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a situation where if they'd realize there's no other you know, way to acquire a player except if he's a minor leaguer or if he's released, better make my move now. I mean, the Red Sox are probably regretting that move right about now because ever since that deadline, obviously the Yankees reformed their team. Rays made a big splash with Nelson Cruz. Um, the poor Cubs, their swan song. I guess, I guess they had to do it, you know, everybody on their last leg. Rizzo, I know, is a free agent with the Yankees now. Chris Bryant in San Fran and Baez with the Mets. Uh, but the Red Sox, I felt like, could have made a big splash. And they were primed and ready to, and they didn't. And it has definitely paid big dividends since. Yeah, they probably should have gotten uh, Anthony Rizzo said the Yankees. They needed a first baseman. Instead, they went and got Kyle Schwarber, who's never played first base in his life. You know, you just can't throw a guy in there and think he's going to do it. So, yeah, that, that was their big regret. And not getting their starting pitcher yeah. because their uh, starting pitchers have really struggled. I mean, Schwarber at Fenway is exciting. Like, when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good fit. However, defense-wise, like, that's not going to help you out too much. The Dodgers swooped in and, I think, stole Scherzer from the Padres. Wasn't he reported to go fairly close to San Diego, and then the Dodgers just swooped in and took Trey Turner with him? Yeah, I mean, it turned out to be a false report. They hadn't talked for a long time. But, yeah, but, but the Dodgers to get, you know, Trey Turner with Scherzer, I mean, people... Talk about Scherzer, which is fine, but Trey Turner is probably one of the top five players in baseball. Yeah. You know, yeah, he'll be their starting shortstop next year. But I think Turner makes a big difference. You know, you know, he could be the guy to get them back-to-back World Series. Is Turner a free agent at the end of the year? One more year. One more. So that's going to be it. They are a all-star team. Like, they are the, I feel like, we saw in the NBA for years, the past decade, just super team after super team after super team. I feel like the Los Angeles Dodgers right now, I know the Yankees had all the money in the world to buy whoever they wanted, but I feel like the Dodgers in this era are like the first real super baseball team. Yeah, and when you have a Julio Urias as your number four starter, you'd be an ace for most teams, you're saying something. If they get Kershaw back, it'll be tough to beat. Uh, It'll be fascinating. The Giants and Dodgers, you know, never played each other in the playoffs. It'd be kind of cool to see them go head-to-head in a division series. That's crazy to think about after all these years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. No, after, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, with the you know, times have changed, now you have the wild cards and stuff like that. But it, it, it would be a cool series just with that great rivalry. I mean, it's the West Coast version of the Yankees-Red Sox. I mean, when that rotation is healthy and 100%, it's Kershaw, Scherzer, throw Bauer in there if he gets his stuff squared away. You're missing Price. Bueller. Oh, my God. No. Kershaw, Bueller, Scherzer. Price, Bauer, Urias, it just goes, I, that's a, that's an all-star rotation. Yeah, they lost Dustin May, you know, remember early in the year, and he was a stud. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Bueller may, be the best, Bueller may win the Cy Young Award, so he may be starting, you know, game one. That's the one thing, like, as a Yankee fan, and you probably experienced this going to games, too. Like, Yankee fans, as soon as those trades were made, you get Gallo, you get Rizzo, World Series is back on. Everybody's <laughs> like, there's nobody that's going to beat us. And then the second we go down, like, 5 nothing in a game, it's like, oh, fire Boone, we're awful. They immediately turn on them. But obviously they've won 11 straight. 
and now it seems like they're going to at very least make a decent run in the postseason though i don't think they're pitching is going to hold up. You got Cole at the forefront, but other than that, it's going to be very wishy-washy, I think, on Aaron Boone's part to navigate them through that postseason. Yeah, and in the bullpen, as we're seeing with Chapman, Chapman's been struggling. Every single game, it's so, a hard attack. Yeah, some of the young guys, like you Montgomery's pitched well on the rotation. Uh, you know, what's the name is, you know, Luke Voigt has finally caught fire. Yeah. Ever since they trade for Rizzo, he said, wait a minute now, you're not taking my job. And, uh, you know, he's been performing great for him. So, yeah, and, you know, same thing, you know, Yankees-Red Sox, that could be the wild card game, which would be crazy. And they have, what was 2018 was the last time they um, met in the playoffs in the ALDS. But, yeah, I mean, I remember when that trade for Rizzo went down, I'm like, okay, so Luke Voigt's gone. Like, I can live with that. He was a great player, but I could live with that. And when I saw just two double-A prospects, I'm like, are you kidding me? It's a steal. <laughs> like, I know he's a free agent at the end of the year, and the Cubs are paying, like, the remaining of his deal. Right. I'm like, all right. We'll take it. I guess I guess they'll platoon one at first, one DH. And the DH will obviously the Stanton judge, anybody who needs a half-day rest. Yeah, I mean, that's been a big difference, too. Stanton's played like 12 of the last uh, 25 games in the outfield. And he hasn't played outfield for two years. So he's been a big contributor, too, be able to do that. Now you can have Voight and Lamp at the same time as Rizzo. So do you think that this sudden change, obviously the Yankees probably had one of the worst up and down seasons I think they've had in recent memory for a team that again talk about super teams that that lineup should win them 100 plus games every year however they just were not clicking this year until those deals were made now it seems like they're on a run to attack does this mean that the Tampa Bay Rays are gonna you know not fall flat on their face but like are the Yankees capable of taking on the Rays in a scenario where it's like the Yankees are the favorites if that series goes down yeah, I mean, you could see the Yankees going out first round or, or going all, all the way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the young guys on that team, guys that came out of nowhere for the minor leagues, I really sparked them. Uh, you know, and that stat's crazy. They had uh, the fewest stolen bases of any team in baseball at the All-Star break. And since the All-Star break, they, they lead baseball with stolen bases. So all of a sudden, these young guys have kind of made them more athletic. And uh, But having the left-handed bats, not a lot harder to pitch to, where the opposing team said they were so easy to pitch to before, because you all swing the same. They're all swinging for the fences and striking out or hitting a home run. Oh, my God. And I think it was the Rays have the 11th hardest schedule left, I think, moving forward the next six, seven weeks or so, where the Yankees have, like, the seventh easiest schedule moving forward, which makes things a lot easier for them to just keep climbing the ladder. They do, but the Rays are good. I mean, Rays are, you know, always good with a small payroll. Uh, I still think they win the division, and the Yankees get the number one wild card spot. Against, we'll see whether it's Boston or Oakland or I, I can't see Seattle doing it, but they're hanging around too. But I, th- I think it'd be cool to see a Yankees Red Sox wild card game. I again, like just as a baseball fan, Seattle. What was it? Two thousand one was the last time. That was it. Longest drought in sports, I think, right now. Yeah, North American sports you'd, history. You'd like to see them at least clinch a playoff berth. <laughs> yeah, and remember their GM kind of gave up at the trade deadline. They traded away their closer to Houston Astros and. They're still hanging around. There were a few questionable moves like that one. Like, Mariners are still in the hunt, but at the same time, like, what are you really going to do? Like, this is not the prime. Like, this is not the team that you know is going to win moving forward. But at the same time, you got a chance. Like, with the new format, too, um, they're not going back to what they did last year, right? No, no. This is like it was two years ago. Okay. So just uh, one game, winner take all of the wild card, and the wild card winner plays a team with the best record. What did you think of that format? 
because it was interesting. Like I like the two of three format for wild card series, but at the same time, that's just like so many more games you got to play to get to the eventual goal. It is. And baseball wanted it, and union said no. What do you think is going to hurt competitive balance? Uh, what baseball wants to do next year is go to a, a 14 playoff team. Uh, you remember last year was 16 yeah. 14. And what they would do, whoever has the best record gets a first-round bye. And then they want to do it like a TV-type show. Whoever has the second-best record gets to choose who they want to play. Oh, <laughs> so it's entertainment. Gotta, right, right. Oh, my God. So you don't want to play a team, obviously, that's got good pitching, you know, like a team like Cincinnati can scare you, you know, sort of thing. But, yeah, you get to pick who you want. I mean, I've only been on this planet for 20-plus years. You know, like growing up watching Yankee games in the mid-2000s, I think was a lot different than what it is now. And again, like being older probably has something to do with that, you know, watching games as a kid as opposed to watching games as an adult. But like with all the media consumption these days and like that, like postseason schedule getting mixed up just to like entertain fans, make baseball more exciting. Did, do you, obviously you can appreciate what's going on right now, but at the same time, did you prefer how simple baseball was as early as 10 years ago? No, I did. You know, I was talking to a guy uh, over lunch. It used to be, you know, every Sunday in the newspaper would be that everybody's batting average, that sort of thing. And it was a big thing as far as who, who was a batting champion that year. Now, you know, nobody can even name you the top five guys who are going for a batting title. Uh, you know, used to be you know, who's got the most home runs, who has the most ribbies. Now it's who's got the highest slugging percentage or OPS, things like that. So people are looking at a lot more different things than just the pure raw you know, numbers, the, yeah. those triple crown numbers. I mean, Miguel Cabrera just hit 500 home runs? Yep. And, like, that was a huge deal 10 years ago. I remember when oh, A-Rod yeah. hit 500, 600, Bonds obviously breaking Hank Aaron's record. Like, those were huge deals. Even when Pujols hit his 600 a few years ago, it didn't feel like that big of a deal anymore just because of whether it be all the steroids, speculation with everybody, or even just the times changing. Like, people are more interested in other stats. Right. I mean, Pujols is about 23, 22 home runs away from 700. So, yeah, if he does that next year, it'll be interesting to see if it's, you know, big fanfare or not. You know, I would say probably not. He's played pretty well since joining the Dodgers, I'd say. Yeah. He's, for his role? For his role, yeah. Perfect platoon guy. And, uh, you know, still crush left-handed pitchers. be interesting to see if he ends up in uh, St. Louis next year. You know, they'll have the, the DH should come to the National League next year. It'd be interesting to see if they want him at least as a part-time DH. Sign a one-year deal. Yeah. Farewell season almost. Yeah, close out his career with his buddy Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. So kind of get yeah, the band. They're both coming back. Yeah, to get the band together. That would be very. I didn't know that they were going to um, implement the DH. They haven't announced it yet, but the new, uh, collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, but they'll. They both want it. The owners want it. The players want it. See, like that's one of the things where. I think it's better for the players. You don't want pitchers getting hurt. You know, some pitchers like Jacob deGrom, they rake. Mm-hmm. Other pitchers like John Lester has no idea what he's doing in the box, right? <laughs> so, like, it, it, it's a good thing for the players, but as a fan, like, you're missing that whole dynamic of American League versus National League. Now it's just kind of one big thing. Yeah, and, you know, to your point before, Jack, it's almost you know, entertainment value. People don't want to see a pitcher strike out and stuff. They want to see another slugger in there. So they would think that to increase offense. You know, it's like, you know, who knows for sure, but that Field of Dreams game, that ball was flying. So I don't know if they were using real baseballs or not. There was but, something. Yeah, yeah, something funny was going on. <laughs> I don't think anybody cared, though, because yeah. it was so entertaining. Like, that was a spectacle. It was. For a regular season game, that was wild. Yeah, I, just a fun. I mean, the ninth inning really made it. The Yankee yeah. comeback, and, of course, White Sox, uh, Tim Anderson home run. 
Well, just like how many home runs were hit in that game? I know Eloy Jimenez hit one early on, Judge hit one, Gardner, and then obviously the big names hit those home runs in the ninth. Judge, yeah. Stanton, and then Tim Anderson. Yeah, the I, think, I think it was eight home runs in that game. Yeah, There was something up. <laughs> and again, I don't think anybody was bothered by it. But that was a spectacle because like the biggest players in baseball hit those home runs in the ninth inning. Fireworks going off as Tim Anderson is rounding the bases. <laughs> right. Like literally the field of dreams, like the exact game you picture in your head that you'd want. Best case scenario, that's what you got. Yeah, yeah, they, they all had fun with it. You know, they just, you know, fly into the uh, Dubuque, Iowa, you know, that day, yeah. bus over, and then, and then they take off. But, yeah, it'll be, I think it'll be around for a while. I mean, next year will be the Cincinnati Reds and the Cubs. That's right. They have a lot to live up to, too. <laughs> they do. Well, do you think they're going to go back to London anytime soon? Obviously, with everything going on, that's not real a real possibility right now. But that Yankees-Red Sox game, that enti- it was two games, right? Both it was. Uh, yeah, I was there. I want to say, maybe three games, two games for sure. And uh, yeah, the ball. That was more just the, the climate there, you know, the altitude and the, and the really? fast service. But yeah, a guy would hit a what would be a single, it would go all the way to the wall because the uh, surface is oh, so, yeah. so fast. But yeah, those were wild games too. They're both football scores. It was like 18 15 and then 17 13 or something like that. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember. I mean, I was there, but I can't remember if it was two games or three games. Uh, but yeah, it was fun to watch, and the, uh, the fans got into it. Uh, they, w- they were going to return there last year until the uh, pandemic hit. It's going to be the Cubs Cardinals. So they haven't scheduled that again since. But I would think they could return there. You know, they want to get more of a presence in Europe. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, again, like the big Midwest series with the Cubs and the Cardinals. Like, you have to have big teams out there, I feel like, in order to get those two games in. Yeah, for people in London. I mean, you know, I mean the NFL makes it work. They have, what, two or three games every year now. Uh, you know, people love their sports. It's a you know fabulous city. So, you know, I'm not sure I'd go back right away, but it was it was fun being there. Yeah, so June 29th, the Yankees win 17-13. was a 5-5 tie after the first inning, and then June 30th, the Sunday, they won 12-8. So that's more of a baseball score, but that first game. It's so a two-game series, okay. Yeah. Identical attendance records, too. I don't know how real that is. Yeah, I mean, they're both sold, sold out. Yeah, I mean, people love being there. And you had know, a lot of people flying in from New York and Boston, too. Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't just, you know, Europeans there. So, yeah, it was fun. That is nuts. And how was the uh, All-Star Week this week at Coors? Uh, just okay. Uh, I mean, really? I mean, they did a great job putting it on. And it's the reason I say that. This was after the uh, game and the facilities was the, the home run derby or with the draft. The bars and restaurants were closing up at 9.30 or 10. And it wasn't so much of the uh, COVID, but they just couldn't get people to work. You know, it was almost like, really? yeah, just the uh, hourly workers, they, they couldn't get enough people to work. So the hotel staffs and the restaurant staffs would say, "Sorry, we got to shut it down because we don't, we don't have room." So wow. that that was only negative. It wasn't you know it wasn't anybody's fault, but just just yeah. because of the population. Because that was after they went back to hundred percent for a lot of teams, right? No, yeah, no, it was yeah, it was hundred percent that restaurants were, were open, but they just didn't have, they couldn't staff it. Couldn't get enough people to want to work. Because mm, that, like, that was only negative. It's like there wasn't you know activity afterwards. Yeah, I found it very interesting when they had the move to Coors Field after political stuff got in the way mm-hmm. of Atlanta. I felt like they were robbed almost because now the Dodgers are going to get it next year and it's open after that. You know, Atlanta just got robbed because of something that was out of their control. Voting rights, right. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, so nothing's, you know, Dodgers next year. Then nothing scheduled in 2026 with the Phillies, you know, with the, uh, the anniversary. Uh, 
But I, I bet they get it in one of those years. Yeah. I'm very excited for All-Star Week in Los Angeles next year. Like, I thought that was going to be a very cool place to have All-Star Weekend. Like, obviously, the Hollywood backdrop, stars are going to be out. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun next year, too. I mean, they'll have all kinds of Hollywood parties and stuff. And that's the thing, too. They didn't have any uh, All-Star parties because of the COVID in Denver, either. Yeah. So that was a little different. So what's been the most exciting event that you have covered in your entire career, if you have one? Uh, you know, some of those World Series, you know, were, were unbelievable. You know, those are always fun. Uh, Cubs-Indians had to be a blast. It was. That was. Uh, you know, everybody's going crazy with the Cubs when they're down 3-1. It's okay, at least the Cleveland Indians get to win a World Series for the first time, you know, since like 19, what was it, 52, 1948. And... Uh, the WBC was a blast. Uh, I covered the, the USA team. And those games that were in Miami, particularly when the U.S. played Dominican, were just wild. I mean, you know, you couldn't help but root for uh, the Dominican team. Just those fans filled it up. There were sellout crowds. You're thinking, where, where are these people during the Marlins games? Yeah. They're just electric atmosphere. Yeah, but I, mean, I always remember the, the postseason games are always the best. Uh, and I'll leave you with this question. I don't want to take too much of your time. But what was the... I guess story, I'd say, that was the most heavy that you had to ever report on, whether it be on a specific player or a specific topic that got a ton of, you know, comments, criticism, backlash, great feedback, whatever. Like, what was that one story that you wrote in your career that you knew, like, this is something I'm very passionate about, and it just got a lot of buzz? Yeah, I'm trying to think of just one. I mean, a heavy story, obviously, would be when, uh, you know, Fernandez got killed, Jose Fernandez. In, yeah, in Miami. that was shocking. And then, of course, it turns out, you know, they had all kinds of, you know, drugs in the system. And yeah. it should never have been, you know, about same thing with the uh, young pitcher. I was in St. Louis then uh, that got killed that night with the uh, when he crashed into the yeah. truck. And after that, it was almost no more alcohol in clubhouses. That one changed everything for everybody. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, I think last year would have been if uh, the Astro, if the, uh, in game six, if Tampa Bay had beat the Dodgers, remember Justin Turner, he got COVID that night, and he was on mm. the field. And people were going crazy that night. Is what's he doing on the field with no mask after he had tested positive? So, but if, if the Dodgers had lost that game, then I think, you know, they probably would have had a four or five, six-day layoff. And all the attention would have been on, on, on the COVID thing. Yeah, I mean, that was a crazy night. Instead of the Dodgers, everybody's celebrating the Dodgers championship. It's why is Justin Turner on the field? Everybody's taking pictures without his mask on. As a person and as a man, like you play that game to get to that level, to perform in that game, to celebrate in that moment, and you may never be allowed to do that again. So a, a positive COVID test, especially after the season had ended, that's the last game. I don't think his teammates would have been angry if they gave him COVID in that moment. It's like, you deserve to celebrate with us. I think they wanted him out there. I do. I mean, they, uh, and he obviously felt cheated if he, if he wasn't out there. Uh, you know, he got moved, you know, removed during the game. Who knows, who knows exactly, you know, the timing of everything. You know, why was he removed right when the, uh, you know, right when the Dodgers took the lead? Yeah. That, that sort of thing. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a wild night. But, yeah, I felt bad for the Dodgers just because all the line of questioning to, uh, you know, from the manager to the general manager was, you know, what happened with Justin Turner and why was he out there? I mean, moving forward, hopefully that's not an issue. Obviously, we've seen 
players go on the 10-day COVID IL, and hopefully moving forward, that's not a huge thing. Obviously, you got to monitor it and you got to take care of it. But at the same time, it's been a very uh, big thing to really not <laughs> deal with in a big way. You know, like it's very annoying to deal with. I mean, I hope it doesn't affect the playoffs or you know, or, or World Series. I mean, which it could. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you're not vaccinated, you got to be out for ten days. You know, as the uh, Yankees found out, you know, with Anthony Rizzo, and uh, so it, it could certainly pop up during the playoffs. And they're not in any type of bubble or anything like that. So it could be a, a little bit of a scary situation. I'd be surprised if something doesn't happen. So what is the Bob Nightingale World Series 2021 prediction? And I'm going to look back at this four <laughs> months from now. I'm going, a, uh, I'm going Midwest. I'm going the White Sox, Chicago White Sox, against the Milwaukee Brewers. Really? I don't think people talk about the Brewers enough. They're a good team. I think they're uh, just as good as the Dodgers or Giants. Uh, but yeah, it, it would be pretty cool to see Milwaukee. I'm here they win their first NBA title, and win their first you know World Series in the same year. It's, it's yeah. a cool town. They can they can party. They they can have fun in Milwaukee. It, it was Tampa Bay last year with the Bucks and the Rays, obviously in the World Series. The Lightning have had their time as well. But yeah, I mean Milwaukee, I feel like deserves it. Bucks winning their first title, and now the Brewers, White Sox. I agree with. I'll t- I'll take that in the AL. White Sox have had a very good run, and they have a very well depth roster that I feel like can take them to the promised land. I still don't believe that the Yankees are quite there. I think they are missing some pieces. Unfortunately, Yankee fans around the world would say, like, what are you doing? Like, it's World Series or bust. World Series back on. But it's not. I, I, I don't think it's that way. The Dodgers, I think, are the team to beat in the NL alongside the Giants. I mean, you're going out on a limb saying Brewers. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think that the, the most drama, the Hollywood World Series would be Dodgers against the Astros. Yes. Yeah, you know, rematch back in I'd be so I would be so angry as a baseball <laughs> fan seeing them go back. Even last year, they're down 3-0 in the ALCS, yep. and they win the next three. Like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was there for that God series. keeps throwing these guys bones, and they don't deserve it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, you know, it's the last year for College Korea on that that thing you gets booed everywhere, but they're a good team. I mean, they could easily get back into the World Series very easily. So White Sox Brewers, I'm going to hold you to that. I'll reach out if that doesn't, uh, <laughs> if that's not the case. But Bob, you're on uh, Twitter, right? Reluctantly. Yeah, yeah <laughs> reluctantly, exactly. Yeah, just just uh, B Nightingale. B Nightingale on Twitter. Bob, thanks so much. I'm glad we finally got to do this. This was episode 395 of the podcast. Again, we're sponsored by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Again, use that 50% off code at betonline.ag. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.